Well, welcome into Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Today, we are in part two of how you can stay faithful at home, work, and to your call for decades. We're calling it Staying Faithful for the Long Haul. Did you make this up, Mike? Did you name this? Because it's really clever. Well, I did. I, I went ahead and just said we. We. <laughs> I like it because you said we are calling but, it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't know a thing about it. I know. That's why I was hoping it was pretty good. Because yeah. if I said we and you were like, that was terrible. Right, like, oh, right. That's not good. But then, you did you did write the blog. I did write it. the blog. But, <laughs> so, but we didn't really title it, right? We didn't. No, Mike titled it. But I think it's a pretty good title. I mean, well, it's not particularly catchy, but it is informative and clear. Right? It's informative. What was the title again? I already forgot it. Yeah, Staying Faithful for the Long Haul. Oh. So you make it a little more interesting how you say it. I, I like Staying that. Staying Faithful for, for the Long Haul. Oh, I like it. See, people are more interested when yeah, they hear it I like that. I think you've become a master of voice inflection. Yeah, well, that's all I could lean on for a long time. <laughs> hey, uh, we do want to thank our audience, Shane. You know, we are over 3,000 downloads already here doing Fantastic, this podcast. Fantastic, Mike. What's that mean? That basically is just a metric that they use to record right. podcasts. And at one point, we were at like, uh, that's like a top 10% of podcasts that start, you know, having that many downloads. It was over the first like month or two periods. So, okay. Uh, but so we have to celebrate like victories that happened a long time ago. No, no. Well, kind of. Yeah, I like I, it. I'm saying that we're doing pretty I'm well. Like a- 50-year-old man talking about, like, getting most improved his sophomore year in high school in basketball. Is that really – have we digressed to that point? I, I hope not. I mean, a month ago doesn't seem like that long. You know, we can still celebrate. We haven't celebrated it with our audience, so, you know. Do we have an audience, Mike? Yeah. All right. <laughs> we do. All right, good. We do. And good. we want to thank them for listening, sharing, and subscribing. We'd love for you to keep sharing. Uh, this podcast, and we truly do help. You seem a little desperate there, Mike. Have people not really been sharing to our satisfaction? Well, I will tell you this, a little bit of a uh, uh, little nugget we got coming. We are going to give away this next next episode free T-shirts. I like it. You told me if we got desperate at any point during the show, you were going to bring up the free T-shirts, <laughs> and here they are, man. Boom! Mike, I noticed they're in uh, three different colors. They are. Which one is your favorite, Shane? I tend to wear. <laughs> Hold on, Mike. I, I, I became so overwhelmed <laughs> when I when I by the sight of yeah. the T-shirt. I, yeah. I tend to wear gray or black. Yeah, that's what I because would do I'm too. not particularly creative. And then blue would be my second favorite. Mm-hmm. And then and I noticed you have. Red. Pinkish, pinkish red. Yeah. Red. I was afraid people think it was St. Louis Cardinals red. And I oh, and you want... were afraid of that. You felt like that would hurt sales if it was St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> yeah. red because and the Metro East. Yeah, yeah. because Smart. people don't really like the Cardinals, Smart. whereas they're all crazy about navigating change with Shane and Mike. Is that kind of what you got to figure? I still Mike? have a lot to learn. No, but these uh, <laughs> these are some really cool T-shirts, and we'll tell you about it next time. It'll be simply just sharing the podcast, and we'll get you to a website. Cardinals red, Cubs blue. And mm-hmm. gray is the color I would probably wear. There you go. There you go. Well, we're, we're going to be able to give those out, and people will be able to wear them out in public and let people know that they w- listen to our podcast. Is that, is that what you're hoping, Mike? That's what I'm hoping. I, I'm thinking they're going to wipe the wax off their car because they actually <laughs> feel pretty good. You put the wax on, right? Wasn't that kind of like in uh, Karate Kid? Yeah. Wax on, wax off. Yeah. I, I'm thinking we're sending out wax offs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Well, well, Shane, I would like to transition. I'm having a hard time with it, but I'm just going to say I was on the internet recently, and you know I love being on the internet. You love the internet. Yeah, and I found this Google question machine that gives random questions and facts. Okay. Was it in a subcategory of things you will find in hell? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I think I was actually asking for random questions and facts, and then it came up it in came the up. Right. search. Right, so I, like I want to be the embodiment as we start okay. of this. So I'm going to go ahead and put this oh, sign boy. on. He has a sign that says Google question and fact machine. He literally made a sign and put tape on it. Can you read that bottom part or no? No, not a chance. <laughs> Let me read this for you. It says the bottom part in very small font. Very small. And uh, it says Google is not an official sponsor of Navigating Change with Shane <laughs> and Mike. But then there is an ellipsis, and then it says yet. Oh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you Was never that know. a disclaimer that our attorneys yeah. uh, threw out there? <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah, yeah. and Because we've had being... some problems by suggesting that people may be our sponsors because they don't want to be associated with the show. So we have to be pretty clear about offering distance between corporate entities and our show that we might – yeah, just mention. Yeah, but we don't want to, uh, you know, put it out of the uh, realm question, of possibility. Realm of possibility that right, we actually like might bring them in. Okay, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one fact, one yes or no question, and one true or false question. Okay. Yes, and, false. Can we move on? No. All right. All right. Here we go. Fact one. This you just got to be amazed by this. I am already. It is impossible to hum while plugging your nose and your mouth. I just tried it. I know. I'm going to say true. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> it was a fact. So uh, everyone who tried, go ahead and try it wherever you're listening to. Told you you couldn't do it. Fact one, mind blown. <laughs> you're trying or you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> All right. Yes or no? This is Really, they're true or false, but I just wanted to, to Break do Break it up. Can newborn babies shed tears? <laughs> yes. Newborn babies, if the answer is no, they the don't. Shed tears. Tear ducts. they cry tears. They don't shed them. Like dogs shed a coat. Is that what we're talking about? No. So, so, so technically you're right. don't shed tears. You should have been a lawyer. Uh, well, then then, I'd have, then I could make a living offering disclaimers between corporations <laughs> right. and the Navigating Chain Show. Hey, tear ducts don't fully develop in infants until they are three months old, Shane. So, so tear ducts, yes. which are a variety of duck. Like a mallard, a wood duck. These are tear ducks. So I think a mallard is an Ennis platyrhynchus, as I recall, uh, from the genus species. Do you have any idea what a tear duck would no, be? No, and you know what? I hear it lives in water. I, this is actually still going better than I thought it would. <laughs> and then the final one for a man so who lives... So babies can't <laughs> cry until they get to be three months. It really said one to three the months. With aid of tears. You got it. Yeah. I'm not sure that's true. Do you, do you Did you pay any attention when your kids were screaming when they were kids? And did you notice at what point did tears come out of their eyes? No, I was terrified when they, when Nora started crying the first night. Absolutely terrified. I'd never heard a scream like that before. So I, I just kind of gave her to Valerie. Because you weren't raised in the woods. <laughs> okay. If you've ever heard a barred owl, I feel like we're getting closer. All right. Hey, speaking of the woods, can't, true or false, trees explode from freezing? I'm going to say true. Oh, that's very good. And it's a little bit uh, of both. But cold weather will cause some trees to explode explode by freezing the sap creating a sound like a gunshot yeah so we have that happen i live in really? the middle of the woods yeah and we moved in in the winter time and we have heard this and it, it just sounds like a gunshot and then something falls from the tree but i have heard trees explode and Are then you pull the them limbs just fall no i'm not hmm. 
No, I, we're socially distanced. I, I, there's no way I could possibly reach your leg. Wow. Yeah. No, but that's true. And it's just like a gunshot. But yes, that I know for sure that's true. I'm unsure about the baby thing. And you're not entirely sure about the humming fact. No, I am I... sure about that because okay. I just blew both eardrums <laughs> on the was, fifth I try. I was worried man. about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on, Shane. Let's get into the part, part two of how you can stay faithful for the long haul. Now, these points originally come from a blog that Shane wrote called 22 and a Half Things I've Learned in 22 and a Half Years in One Place. You can find that blog post and more at RevShaneBishop.com. Now, Shane, the next insight you gained over the last two-plus decades of leadership in one place is that you can't cheat excellence or time. You can't cheat excellence or time. What do you mean by that, Shane? Many years ago, I went to a church growth thing, back when church growth things were big. And we went to a place in Indianapolis, and a guy was there named Kent Millard. And uh, that's a variation on a type of duck, a yeah. mallard. Yeah. Can they Sp- cry? Huh? Can they cry? Not until they're three months old. <laughs> I've, I've never seen a duck cry that was in the duckling <laughs> stage. Mm-hmm. Back to Kent Millard. Kent said... If you're going to grow a church, if you want to see significance and effectiveness in a church, there's two things you can't cheat, time and excellence. You're going to have to be good every single time. And I I really do believe this, Mike, particularly with the Internet out there. We're going to always be judged by our worst sermon. We'll always be judged by the worst piece of material that we put out there. So anytime I put something out, I always imagine it's a painting. And I'm signing my name to it. And if I'm not comfortable signing my name to it, I don't need to put it out there. So excellence needs to happen every single time. If you are inconsistent on excellence, I guarantee you, you're just not going to be able to build on momentum because anything you get, you're going to lose. Time is another thing you just can't cheat. And I, I know that in our society today, people want instant gratification, but some things just take time. And among the most important of those things is significance. It takes time to be truly significant. Yeah, I think when we cheat things as well, cheat excellence, cheat time, in the long run, I think some people can put up a good show for a while, but in the long run, it can even end up hurting uh, hurting us. I was actually lifting weights a couple weeks ago, and there's a guy there who actually listens to our podcast who works at the gym that I go to named Austin. I didn't even know he listened to our podcast, That's Shane. incredible. That's a true story. Really? And I actually was wearing a uh, navigating change in Mike, uh, Shane and Mike's what shirt. What color was it, Mike? Uh, it's a gray one. Gray one. Yeah, right. it, was, it wasn't one of these. It was a different one. And there was another lady who was, th- a lady who was there who says she listens to our podcast. How cool and, is that? Uh, yeah, it was really awesome. I had no idea they listened. I don't know how many times they've listened. It doesn't but matter. They, but no, that was really cool. But uh, he was there, and he, he's into weightlifting. He's like a personal trainer, and he started watching me lift weights. And that can always be intimidating when there's someone around you who actually knows what they're doing, yeah, right? Yeah, because regular people wouldn't ever realize there's a wrong way to lift weights. Exactly. And there there is. Is. And actually, he said, I was doing incline uh, chest dumbbells, and he looked at me and he said, you know what, your form is really, really good. And I told him, you know, I'd love to lift heavier weights, but I don't want to cheat the lift. And I think I've seen over the years some guys who are older who put on heavy weights, but they didn't lift them correctly, and they've gotten hurt over the years. And I just don't think it benefits long-term health. And I'd like to be able to have some type of range of motion in 20 years. And I, and I do think that some people who are inconsistent at the beginning or won't put in the hard work for excel, uh, the excellent work over time in the long run, it's going to hurt them. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Now, another important quality to stay faithful for the long run is to stay humble. Shane, what are your thoughts overall on staying humble? One of the things that I think about a lot is, is you just can't believe your clippings. And these days it would be you can't believe your postings. You're never as good as your fans think, and you're never as bad as your critics think. So at the end of the day, uh, what determines your value? And for me, humility really figures in. Humility isn't this aw shucks idea, you know, that I haven't really accomplished all that much and it's really no big deal. That's not humility. Humility is just a realization, an innate realization, that anything good that has happened in your life has happened because of the contributions of others. It's happened because of the grace of God. Yeah. Anything you have, you owe in part to other people who have shared that vision and be a part of it. So humility for me is just realizing you're not all that in a bag of communion wafers. You're just not that great. And anything that is celebrated uh, needs to keep in mind that other people have substantially spoken into your life and contributed to your success. And I think that keeps us humble. I think that's a great practice to kind of take you back to, you know, keep you anchored in that humility. Another one which can get, and I'm not talking about the self-pity side of this, but in terms of practice, reflecting on our bad moments or what could have been a bad moment, I think can also center us in humility, just in case we start to think that we are a little bit more than we really are. Sometimes we've had moments in our lives when we shouldn't have said something. We shouldn't have done something. And it's not about bad, you know, uh, just being feeling pitiful about yourself or going there and, and and just thinking you're awful. But I do think realizing that in those moments, maybe we weren't as good as we thought we were. It could be a way to practice and, and ground us in humility as well. Well, I've learned from baseball over the years. You can do everything right. I mean, you can be at bat. You can put the bat on the ball. You can absolutely drill it. And you can hit that thing six feet off the ground, and the center fielder can catch that line drive and not even have to move. On the other hand, you can have the worst swing in the whole world. You crack your bat, and the silly thing dumps down between the second baseman and the right fielder. So for me, one thing I have learned is uh, you you make your best decisions. You you take your best swings. But there have been some things I don't think I made great decisions on. It worked out. There's been mm, other things mm. I think I made great decisions yeah. on, and it didn't work out. Because yeah. part of what leaders do, yeah. and no matter what you do for a living, leaders have the courage and have been given the responsibility of making tough decisions. So if a decision's not tough, a leader isn't required. Anybody can make a clear and obvious decision. Leaders make tough decisions, and you make it not on all the data. You make the decision on the data you have. And later you may find out that it had you known this, you would have done something different. Yeah. But for me, hot washing is the word I use. When I look at my decisions, take a look at what came out. Uh, it, it really does help on the old humility factor. And one thing I have learned is just because something doesn't work out doesn't mean it wasn't a bad decision. And just because it does work out doesn't necessarily mean it was a good decision. It just worked out. Yeah, that takes a pretty grounded lens to look through to do that again and again and again. It reminds me of the authenticity we have to have with ourselves and with others. And that's our next tip on staying staying, uh, faithful and for the long haul. So 
Authenticity, Shane, how is that important when you look over the last couple decades about staying faithful for the long haul? Well, it's just keeping it real. Yeah. I mean, it's just keeping it real. I know when we reopened the church after the COVID shutdown, we had about three little glitches that happened that first Sunday morning. All three were human error, and in all three, I was the human. You know what? To be able to joke about that and to be able to laugh about that and be able to tell people, hey, that was me. I I messed that one up. It tells them three things. First of all, it lets them know that I don't think I'm perfect just because I'm in charge around here. Second of all, it lets them know that when you do make mistakes, you don't have to just beat yourself up. None of them are really that big of deals. And then thirdly, it's just about taking responsibility for your own actions. I think when you start doing those kind of things, particularly as a leader, as a husband, as a wife in a relationship, when you take responsibility for your own actions, I think the level of authenticity just goes up and up. And the more you keep it real, I think the more valuable a thing you have. Yeah, well, we have to have authenticity, at least splashes of it in all areas of our life. I think uh, older generations uh, kind of understand how to do that. Younger generations, Shane, as you know, especially the millennials, they want this authentic thing in like every area of their lives in a way that just isn't really helpful to anyone but themselves, it seems like a lot of times. And one of the ways that I framed it with millennials from time to time is that yeah, authenticity should be in all parts of your life, with your family, with your friends, with your job, and other places. But maybe it should be framed in a way by by this question. What is the truest, most authentic version of me or you in the setting that in this setting that I can be? So, for instance, there may be authenticity at home and work may may look much different. Let's say you're at home and you're the ultimate decision maker for, you know, yourself or for your family. Maybe you're good at making decisions. Your family needs you to make decisions. It's a big part of your family identity, and that is authentic to you. You love it. You're a firm for it. Then you go to work at a job where you're mid-level. You're on a team with a boss who maybe has a boss who has a boss. You never know. At home, you might have an authentic version of you where you're the number one decision maker. But on your job, at your job, you're not going to be that ultimate decision maker. So then you got to think, what does it mean to be authentically you in that setting? Maybe that means to take a lead on a project where you can make more decisions. Or maybe uh, you can't be the authentic version of you that you want to be at that job, and it's time to find another one. But I do think asking, especially maybe for the millennial side of uh, the generations, uh, asking what part of you can be the most authentic as possible in a setting can help. I love that, Mike. Uh, The other thing I think about sometimes is uh, our emotional connections with authenticity. For example, I I don't think authenticity in and of itself is, is... always the the most treasured of all things. Let me just give you an example. Let's say that uh, you are genuinely a weak sauce, negative, whiny sort of person. Well, you know, to say, well, that's the authentic me. I'm just being myself. Well, what if you just, you know, suck swamp water with a straw as an individual? Being authentic and saying that's authentic can really be a cop-out. It says I'm not going to work on me. How I affect other people, that's just their problem. And I think it can really be a form of selfishness. So for me, authenticity is a part of that is just living into my best life. So I wake up every morning and I make a decision. I'm going to have a good day today. I'm going to be in a good mood today. I'm going to make that decision first thing. So if I don't feel real great and somebody says, how are you doing today? And I say, great. 
Is that being inauthentic? Not at all. It's leaning into the authenticity that I truly believe God has created for me. So I don't think this idea of authenticity, meaning we're just going to be weak sauce all the time, is what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is authentically embracing the person God created you to be and refusing to settle for anything else. But it's also about taking responsibility when you don't get it right. And saying that ba you're basically saying not to ignore the problems that are there and reframing them. And that's our next tip today is to don't ignore the problems. When we think about staying faithful for the long haul, don't ignore the problems. Shane, how has that helped you? How have you learned that over the years? I had a friend a few years back I went to high school with. He became kind of a medical scientist kind of guy. And, uh, you, you know, when you go to the doctor and you urinate in a... Uh, in, in like a container, and then you hand it to someone, he would be the guy you would hand it to. Mm -hmm. And then they would do analysis to see what was in there and what, what showed up. And he told me about 75, 80% of the time, whatever's wrong with the person is going to clear up on its, by, its own, by itself. But he said the other 15% uh, percent of the time, 20% of the time, he said uh, it's going to require intervention. Well, I have noticed in my life, Mike, that probably 75, 80% of crises, self-correct, with or without intervention in 48 hours. They, they self-correct. But you know what? What about the other 20%? Those, those are the ones you've got to really pay attention to. Yeah. You know, if you just got a headache, that's one issue. If you got a headache for three weeks, that's one issue. But if you got a headache for one minute and you got a brain tumor, that's a very different kind of issue. You don't want to ignore the problems. You've got to keep an eye on them. You've got to stay steady in it. You can't think every time you got a headache, you got a brain tumor. But you do have to pay attention to what's going on around you, and then you have to consciously decide, how am I going to deal with it? But you can't just stick your head in the sand and assume that 100% of problems self-correct because they don't. I've also heard you say that they're kind of like weeds in a garden. Most problems are easily corrected if you catch them early. And I think when weeds are not taken care of, you know, what I've found is that they'll turn into trees. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you think about marriage for a moment, I know for me and my wife, if we have a disagreement, we don't talk about it. It starts to build. That's right. right? But if we talk about it, we communicate about it. It's like a small weed and it just can be pulled out pretty easily. Uh, it's almost like it's surrounded by loose dirt. Also, you know, you never know what, you f what you'll find when you're pulling up weeds. We have some pine trees by the house we're in, and they are always growing weeds underneath them. Uh, we can't use weed killer because we're afraid we're going to kill these trees. And my wife and our daughters are actually uh, the ones who pull up the weeds. A couple of years ago, when they were pulling up the weeds, Valerie actually found an old diamond ring under the trees. And I think sometimes when we're doing the dirty work, sometimes we do find treasures. Hmm. Maybe we're, we're proud about how we dealt with an issue. Maybe it's just about us in a positive way. Like, wow, I really dealt with that issue pretty well. Or maybe we see how a friend or coworker deals with a stressful problem in a very positive way. Or maybe we just see how resolving one problem cleared the way for a great new idea or future. Pulling up weeds is labor intensive and no fun. But every once in a while, you might find something great about yourself or others when you don't ignore the problem. Okay, so I'm interested in the ring. Yeah. So you found a diamond ring underneath the weeds. 
This is 100% true story. It's incredible. So yeah. did you take it and get the ring appraised? We, we did. We got it appraised, and it was appraised. We did it at two places. It, I think it was appraised for uh, $1,100 uh, okay. that, we, that we could get the money for. Right, so that's right. not really – if that's an appraised – we got 1100 They from were going to offer you 1100 Yeah, we got $1,100 for it. Wow. And then uh, – so – both the guys seemed really honest with us. I think they said they could sell the diamond at least for sixteen hundred. They actually said, uh, "You, this diamond is so nice. You may just want to make a ring out of it." But we think the ring wasn't lost. We think it. Uh, there may have been a conflict in a marriage. It's wow. just what, well, just where it was at, and, and maybe some, somebody buried it. Or maybe someone buried it. But it was long. We actually uh, and we asked around about it, but it was an old ring. But yeah, eleven hundred bucks from that thing. Wow. So it was kind of like when you dealt with a problem and you found hidden treasure. Yeah. <laughs> That's the metaphor. Yeah. So there you go. Does this happen every single time <laughs> to people, Mike, do you think? No, but I thought it went well for what we were trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So did you sell the ring? We sold the ring. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. And the money, I can't remember what it went to, or savings probably. To that kind of thing. Yeah. Or student loans or something like that. that, that <laughs> yeah, that definitely. we have, right? Yes, no doubt about it. All right. It. All right. Well, let's go to our final point for staying faithful for the long haul. It's the play for the long game. Play for the long game. Shane, how do you play for the long game? If you were building a house and you decided you're going to bury a diamond ring, do you feel like I'm already off uh, just a little bit here, Mike? I think I've lost you. All right. That's all right. If you were building a house and you knew you were going to live in the house your entire lifetime— and you envision that your children and your children's children would live in that house. Mm. You'd build mm. it one way. You'd build it really, really well. You'd build an incredible foundation. You would use huge timbers in that house. You would build a quality house. If you thought you were going to live in that house for 10 years, you know what? You might just uh, have somebody come up, build that house in 90 days, throw it up there. You're going to get your use out of it. You sell it, and you just move along. And the fact that it's not the world's greatest house becomes someone else's problem. If you're going to stay somewhere a long time, you better build a good house. You better build a sound foundation. You better make sure that your angles are right angles and that your joists are good and your timbers are big. If you build for the long haul, for the long game, you do quality work. Does it take more time, effort, energy, and finances to build a good house? Absolutely. It takes that to build a legacy as well. If you want to build a legacy, you've got to play for the long game. You know, uh, if someone wants to stay in a relationship or they want to stay somewhere for a long time, I think they have to think about the domino effect of the actions and inactions that they take on others. And for work, I think a key is a person has to know their own job. They have to do their job really well. But I also think they have to have a sense of what other people's jobs are where they're working. Maybe not everyone, depending on the size of the organization, but I think that they have to have a sense because it builds up empathy for the stresses and strains on others. And Shane, one of the things you do with the staff, whenever we have a big event coming up, and typically that's around worship services in our field, you usually take the entire staff around a week or two before, and you kind of make sure we're all on the same page. And I've always loved that because we start to hear things uh, that we normally don't hear, that would slip through the cracks, right? A couple years ago, it was before our Christmas services, and we usually have quite a few people here yeah. on Christmas Eve for those services, and you got the staff together. And what seemed like a simple problem had tentacles that affected the entire organization. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but it was simply about 
are cafe people getting coffee to departments during on the on Christmas Eve services. Now, that seems really easy, but let's say that the worship department needed coffee. They would call the cafe, and it would be delivered. However, if they called between worship services, when we had lots of people coming in and out, it caused major egress issues in the building, in the parking lot, and a strain on our volunteers. And I remember Noelle, who runs our bookstore and our cafe, she was sharing about her working dynamics, and I thought to myself, I am so glad that she shared that. All the departments have to do is call at a different time, and it's going to help everything (laughs) throughout the entire day. And just having that knowledge of her job created a more sustainable rhythm for us all in the uh, kind of the long game. A knowledge of systems, a knowledge of how systems work together. I think you've got to learn. If you're going to stay somewhere a long time and, and be in a relationship, you have to see things as a whole, not in pieces and parts. If you work at Lowe's, all you really need to know in your department is you got a box full of stuff. You need to take it out of the box. You need to put it on the shelf. You need to get some kind of pricing set up, and you need to keep it looking good. Really easy. If you run Lowe's, <laughs> it's a whole lot more complicated <laughs> yeah. than that. Yeah. So I think with any kind of long-term uh, relationship, with any type of long-term job, knowing the systems, knowing how they <coughs> affect one another – knowing how this affects that, and also realizing you can't make too many withdrawals if you're not putting deposits in. Sometimes you can do something in a relationship or in a job, and you really take things way too close to the edge. Uh, That could show up four or five years later because you've created a weak spot there. So just having a big, comprehensive idea of what's going on, knowing where you are, some years ago, I had a person come up to me and basically make some demands on the unemployment side. And I just said to them, I just need you to know you greatly overestimate your value to this organization. You just greatly overestimate it. This was a person not in touch with the whole of things, just in touch with their area. So keeping that long game is keeping the big picture in front of us. And you also have to remember within that Uh, how the past can Mm. affect the present. The advantage of being somewhere a long time is that you should have that information. You should know that stuff. Absolutely. Well, Shane, this has been a fun conversation. I hope it's been informative. It feels like it's been. I've learned a lot about ducks, and so that's been helpful. Uh, But would you like to share anything as we close up this conversation about staying faithful for the long haul? Long-term relationships are essential in our lives. You may not have a career trajectory where you're going to be one place for a long time, but I will tell you this. If you've been one place for a while and you're still young, before you just glibly move to the next best thing, consider the possibility of staying where you are and creating a legacy. At least consider that possibility. My last story has to do with that trip I made to Indianapolis where I met Kent Millard. Kent was a well-sought-after speaker, highly respected uh, clergy person back then, somebody I very much was aware of and looked up to. Uh, I was an absolute nobody. I mean, he wouldn't know me from anybody. And we were in a line, and I happened to be next to him. And he looked, and he said, hey, I'm Kent. And I said, hey, I'm Shane. And he said, nice to meet you. Where are you? I said, I'm in Fairview Heights, Illinois. He said, how long have you been there? I said, I've been here about 10 years. He said, how's the church done? 
I said, well, we, we're running about 200, and now we're running about six, 700. He looked at me dead in the eye, Mike, and he said, stay and build a great church. And I felt like that was a prophetic word. And many years later, we were on the Jurisdictional Episcopacy Committee together, and I reminded him of that word, stay and build a great church. And I told him, how much that it meant to me. And he didn't remember me at all. I mean, why would you? But that word was so important. So I would just say, if your marriage is tough, stay. Stay and build something great. If being a parent is really tough right now, stay and build something great. If you've got long-term friends, stay and build something great. And even vocationally, just before you think, well, it's just time to move, and I just feel that itch to move, consider the possibility of staying and building something great. I learned from the Kansas City Royals, with the exception of George Brett, who was so great, no one could deny it. The Hall of Fame of the Royals were players that chose to stay. And I think staying is one of the most underrated attributes of success that there is. You've got to stay if you want to accomplish anything significant in life. Well, we truly hope that you are encouraged today. We want to thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We would love for other people to be encouraged by this podcast. You can do that by subscribing, sharing, reviewing this podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Shane or I, visit our websites, RevShaneBishop.com or RevMikeVu.com. We'll talk with you next time and make sure that you keep the change.